The 109th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands him the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today. Getting you ready for Carolina and Marquette in the round of 64 in the 2022 NCAA Tournament, the 8-9 matchup coming out of the East Bracket. We're going to break down the, the, the Golden Eagles, get you some information about Carolina's opponent, update you on some stats regarding Carolina, give our keys to the game, and pick the game before we do get out of this edition of the show. But before we do that, we start every edition of the preview uh, of a preview version with our pod thought of the day and went back to one that this will be the standard pod thought of the day through the the, the remainder of the NCAA tournament because these are the three things that are going to matter the most for Carolina as they try to make their way through the bracket. And it's a simple phrase that the basketball program lives and dies off of of, and it's the thing I tweet out roughly 10 minutes before every single game. And it was coined by Dean Smith, who said, play hard, play smart, and play together. And I know it's a simple thing, but for this team, Hubert Davis likes to say energy, effort, and toughness. And it's kind of the same thing, but when this team plays hard, when this team plays smart, and when this team plays together, they've proven they can play with the best of there is in in, in college basketball. They went into Cameron Indoor Stadium and beat a top-five Duke team by double digits. They got two wins over Virginia Tech, a team that just won four games in four days to take home the ACC tournament title. They routed a Michigan team that made the field of 68 as well, so... Um, it's 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 a simple phrase, but it's one that if Carolina takes to heart, this team can make a run in the tournament. And and I think that's something that we didn't think was possible two, three weeks ago, but the talking heads around college basketball, you listen to anybody, they'll tell you of all the eight seeds that are primed to make some sort of run or have a chance to make some sort of run in this year's event, Carolina is one that can do so given their draw, given the fact they got the quote-unquote weakest of the one seeds in Baylor, um, but none of that matters unless they get past Marquette. And we know the, the the thing around Marquette, Carolina played them last year in a game that wasn't supposed to be played, but due to COVID, um, Carolina scheduled a, a midweek game against Marquette, and it cost them because they ended up losing their only home game last year to Marquette, but it was a recruiting visit of some sorts for Dawson Garcia, 
who would later transfer out of Marquette's program following the dismissal of uh, Wojo. Um, and he joined Carolina um, shortly afterwards, and he was one of the most coveted transfers on the market, was believed to be a big-time part of this year's team, and he averaged nine points per game before he walked away from his team to deal with family issues. And um, we're still praying for the best for him and his family as they, they deal through this difficult time. But um, this isn't the same Marquette team that they saw a year ago. They've got a new head coach in Shaka Smart um, that, that, that that's plays a different style of basketball. Um, for those of you that are college basketball diehards, you watched him at VCU. You watched his teams at Texas. The same method, uh, method still applies. He wants to play with a pace. He wants to play defensively, make the game ugly, and try to wear you down over the course of 40 minutes. And they had a, a, a relatively solid season. They were 19-12 and 12 in the regular season. They went 11-8 and eight in the Big East tournament on their way of earning the nine seed in the East bracket. Justin Lewis leads their team in scoring at 17.1 points per game and in rebounding at 7.9 point rebounds per game. And against teams currently ranked in the AP Top 25, they are 6-6. Six and six. So this is a team that's battle-tested. They're going to be physical with Carolina, and they're going to pose a challenge for the Tar Heels. But I think we can both agree. We were in the 8-9 matchup last year with Wisconsin, and when we got that draw, we all knew deep down that wasn't going to be a fun matchup for a Carolina. That proved to be true as they got routed in the first round of the NCAA tournament and then effectively sent Roy Williams into retirement. This time around, this one feels to favor Carolina to advance into the second round of the, of, of, of the tournament. Oh, there's no doubt that this is a much more favorable matchup. Yeah, that one last year, I think that was one where if you picked Carolina, you were kind of picking with your heart more than your mind because – it was a more veteran team than Carolina. It was a much better shooting team than Carolina. And it did a lot of things to Carolina that we knew were going to cause that team trouble. Where this year's team, I mean, look, this this Marquette team's interesting. Uh, they are a team that I don't, I, I think kind of flies under the radar. When you look at them statistically, they're not really great in any category. But there's not really a category where they're horrible outside of an area where Carolina should be able to take advantage of them, which is rebounding. They allow uh, 39 rebounds per game to their opponent, which is 349th out of the 358 teams in Division One. Mm, so that's the one weakness for Marquette. Other than that, though, they're kind of a solid all-around team. They don't score the ball great. You've only got two guys in double figures, but... They're still one of those teams that it's it's honestly hard to get a read on them. Now, here's the thing. They were playing their best basketball in the middle of the season. That's where they picked up wins against Villanova, wins against Xavier. Um, but it, towards the end of the season, that's where they started to struggle. Their most recent loss prior to being one and done in the Big East tournament was a loss on the road to DePaul. Mm-hmm. So... I think you're probably getting this team at the right time, but this is a team that is still more than capable of beating you, Yep, and they are going to be much deeper than you. They have 10 guys on the roster that are considered part of their rotational group. There, you know, there, there were a couple of guys that missed games due to injury in there, all 10 of those guys play 27 games or more. 
So they're going to have a lot of guys at their disposal. Carolina could as well if they want to. But that hasn't been what Carolina's done this year. You wouldn't expect the recipe to change here. So they're going to be facing a much deeper team than them. We'll see how that affects them in this game. Uh, the good news is they have had some time off, though. Yeah, so. I think that was the big thing when we talked about coming out of that, that loss to Virginia Tech was um, it, it might have benefited Carolina. They get six full days off in between games. As of the day of recording, recording on Tuesday, the team is preparing to travel down to Fort Worth, Texas, in preparation for their first-round matchup with Marquette. But this was a tired team in the ACC tournament, coming off an emotional win at Duke the weekend before where they laid it all on the line for 40 minutes. They were able to take down a a Virginia team, and then they ran into a red-hot Virginia Tech team who then validated the win over Carolina by thumping Duke the next night in, in the ACC tournament final. And and Carolina just looked gassed, and, and, and they should have been because this has been a team that – for the last three weeks was playing on fumes because they were playing for the right to get themselves into the NCAA tournament um, because of what they had not done up to that point. And, and the home loss to Pittsburgh really ratcheted up the pressure and the team responded, but it really took it out of this team. And now they got a chance to catch their breath, regroup, and get ready to go on a six-game winning streak if they try to win a national championship or at least make some sort of run in the NCAA tournament, and which this team is capable of doing. Um, and I think that's something that I think as Tar Heel fans, we didn't think was possible earlier in the year. We didn't think this team could go very far. Kind of like last year's team, we didn't think they could go very far. But when the season got later last year, we thought they could make some noise. And this year, here we are, and we think this team can make some noise as well. Um, they enter with a 24-9 and record overall. They went 15-5 and in the, in the ACC. That earned them the number eight seed in the East uh, in, in the East bracket. Um, Armando Baycott still leads the team in scoring at 16.5 points per game and rebounding at 12.5 rebounds per game. Um, we knew he did not make – he wasn't named ACC Player of the Year. And then today he was left off all three All-American teams. Kind of kind of hard to fathom a guy who averages a double-double, who has the most double-doubles in a single season in the history of Carolina basketball, isn't an All-American. Um, but that just kind of speaks to the the volume of talent that exists now in college basketball, and the morons that vote on the that, All American teams. There you go. That's that. I mean, that's that's true. Because uh, come on, you're you're telling me that there are 15 players better in college basketball than Armando Baycott. That's 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 hard pressed for me to believe. I, I'm going to be honest, and and maybe I haven't watched the rest of the country close enough. I don't think there's a big man more dominant than him maybe outside of Oscar Shibway. And I think both of those guys are relatively close considering their numbers throughout the year. Because right. I think I think Baycott's a better scorer than Shibway. So those are the two best bigs. How the hell is this guy not on at least second team? Come on. Yeah. Come on. Um, and so maybe that will add some added motivation, some added fuel for him individually and for the team overall. Overall, uh, Carolina still has four players averaging double-figure scoring, led by the aforementioned Armando Baycott, and they are six in the in the country in defensive rebounds per game at twenty nine point one. Something we're going to talk about when we come back after you hear this week's ad from DraftKings as we give our keys to a potential win over Marquette in the first round of the NCAA tournament. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better. Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. 
Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your favorite team's victory into your own big win, and we mean the Tar Heels. Bet on the heels to get it done, guys. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win, the Tar Heels, and get $200 in free bets if they do so. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the college hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like who will make it to the next round and who will hit the most three-pointers. Then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Hey guys, Anthony here. Head over to the Heel Tough blog website. Make sure you guys check out all of the tournament coverage. Josh is going to have you covered throughout with individual previews and recaps of each game for Carolina. We'll have you covered here on the podcast side of things as well. Meanwhile, over on the football side of things, Carolina making their way through spring camp. The next time Mac Brown talks, we'll have our takeaways. And of course, we'll lead you right up into that spring game where we will preview that game as Carolina heads toward the 20. 2022 football season. Check it out. HeelToughBlog.com. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you on the four corners side of things. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough Blog side of things. Let's break down and give our keys to the game for Carolina. The first one comes down to, to one guy, and then they, they, they've got to defend. Justin Lewis, who leads their team in scoring, who leads their team in rebounding. He is the the cog in the engine that makes Marquette go. Um, and they're gonna they they ask a lot out of him and he gives them a lot in return. Um he shoots forty five percent from the field, thirty-five percent from behind the three point line, and he shoots seventy-six percent from the foul line. He leads their team in minutes. So they they ask a lot out of him, and he has he has produced and produced every time he's been asked to do so so far this season. So Carolina's got their hands full. But John Fanta, a guy who joined the the radio show I work on for, work on at Sports Radio FNZ in Charlotte, he joined the Nick Wilson show yesterday, and he said that Leaky Black's going to be the big key in Carolina's trying to defense of Justin Lewis. North Carolina is going to need to pin Leaky Black on Justin Lewis here. I think that's the single biggest key to this game is what North Carolina does defensively against Lewis. But And look, this this is coming straight off of what happened against Virginia Tech. He picked up that second foul in the first half, and the game effectively changed. And it was a, it was a point of emphasis now moving forward. Carolina needs him on the court. He can't get in early foul trouble. He's got to play as close to 40 minutes as possible for the remainder of the season for this team to have a chance to make a run, for this team to be competitive on the defensive end of the court. With that being said, though, even even if it's not him, I do think you can put you know, maybe Caleb Love on him at different times, but mm. Puff, Puff Johnson, I think, has a role on this team. Coming off the bench, 
playing defense. Now, he, if he's if he's if he has to play 18 minutes, he's going to put the ball in the basket. But in those two to three minutes where you're giving Leaky a rest or whatever, he also can't let you down defensively either. So this is going to be one of those things where Marquette's their offense runs through one man. So you've got to take him away, and if, if and if the other guys beat you, those other guys beat you. Carolina in, in those situations this year, where it's if you make if you take away one guy and you make the other guys beat you, they've usually gotten the results they want to look for. Yep. Because Leaky Black's been able to dial in defensively, and the other guys on defense do their part, rotating, communicating, whatever, and they don't let those other guys beat you. But you know now it's a different now it's a different set of circumstances. It's on a neutral court. It's going to be a different crowd in the building, and also your season is on the line. So even though you're going to bring your best effort, so is your opponent. Well, to be fair, uh, you are not. Luckily, you are not in the Milwaukee region. Uh, you are in Fort Worth. So in terms of the crowd, I think Carolina will probably have the advantage. But I also think that the majority of the fans that will be there will probably be people that are just going to stay around after the first game of the of the session when Baylor plays. Um, I, I don't – so I, I don't know how much that will affect them. Um, you know, the the thing that's interesting about Marquette, you, you talk about last year we, we had a team that was as veteran as it gets. Mm-hmm. This year you're facing a team that is – one of the youngest teams that I've seen in a long time in the NCAA tournament. You're talking about a roster that of 14 guys that have played in a sing in in a game this year. They have 10 on the roster that are freshmen, and I believe only one or two of them is outside of that group of 10 that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the guys that contribute are very, very young. This is going to be the first time they're in a tournament setting, including Justin Lewis. So we'll see, you know, how do they how do they adjust to that? That makes the most sense to me, too. Put Leaky Black on him. He's 6'7", so he's got the height that would concern me putting Caleb Love on him. I think Leaky makes perfect sense here. And then you'll say, okay, well, you've got Daryl Morsell who averages 13.5 points per game. That's where Caleb Love comes into play right there. That's who you should be matching Caleb Love up against because, for the most part, when he's locked in, and at this point, look, there's no excuse, and it's been a while since we've had to call him out for that. He he is your best on-ball defender of the two guards. Mm-hmm. So let him go to work. He has gotten better at being able to shut off the lane on the dribble drive let him go to work against Morsell. And if you take those two guys out of the game, you're, you're looking at a really, really good scenario for you on the defensive end. Because this is a team outside of that that doesn't have a single guy that yeah. scores more than eight points. So that's what you, you're right. I think Lewis is your main focus. Morsell is the other guy that you've got to look at. But you should feel confident now with the way that Leakey – and Caleb Love have been playing recently, that they can get the job done. The concern, though, is what happened to Leakey in the last game, which was foul trouble. Yep, That's the one thing you've got to avoid in this game because if he gets into foul trouble, you're right. We've seen the effort from Puff Johnson. He's not the same defender that Leakey Black is. No, he's not. And and even though he's, he's also not an offensive threat, unlike Leakey, Carolina – 
whenever he's on the court, they they they're not they're not the same level as a team with Puff Johnson. He still brings a level of energy that this team needs, but they do lose some on both ends of the court with him being on the court, and that should be expected. He's basically still a freshman, still learning how to play at the college level with all the injuries the poor kids dealt with. The second key to the game is going to be rebounding. And you mentioned the numbers for Marquette. They're not they're not very pretty. They give up um, 39 rebounds per game, um, which is 349th in the country. And you heard from a guy who joined my show earlier this week about the matchup. Now we're going to go to your show to work on the Mac Attack, same station, Sports Radio FNZ in Charlotte. And Jason Horowitz, a guy who you'll hear on Westwood One, Covering, he may be on. He may not be on there originally. I did want to say this: we are wishing him the best. He is dealing with COVID right mm. now, so he may not be there for the first couple of games of the tournament. But he did assure me off the air that he will be back at some point. <laughs> so keep listening for him on Westwood One. He broke down why Carolina has a r- massive rebounding advantage in this matchup. One of the great things that Carolina does, right? You know, led by by Baycott, they're a great rebounding team. Marquette is a terrible rebounding team. They're like minus five or so a game, and they give out like 13 offensive rebounds a game. You know, what's funny is we talked during the year that Carolina wasn't the same rebounding team they were under Roy Williams. They still led the ACC in rebounding, or one of the best rebounding margin teams in the country, and they're sixth best in the country in defensive rebounds per game. Mm -hmm. So as much as Hubert Davis changed about Carolina, the one staple that remained the same is something that I believe the most in is that rebounding is the most important aspect of the game outside of making shots, obviously. That's still the constant. If Carolina can dominate the boards like they should, like the numbers say they should, even though Marquette's deeper, Carolina will be able to wear them down. And that's been the thing with Carolina this year. You look at when they've won the big games, the the win over Michigan, the two wins over Virginia Tech, and then that win at Duke. They imposed their will on the glass with Armando Baycott specifically, but Brady Manick has become the type of rebounder we needed him to be when he transferred in. Leaky Black is a guy who will get you five or six rebounds without you even knowing it. And even the guards have come in. And even they're starting to get to the glass. Puff Johnson comes off the bench, and the first thing that kid does is he go grabs a rebound, go grabs a loose ball. If Carolina is relentless for 40 minutes rebounding the ball, they're going to win the game. Mm-hmm. That that might be their M.O. to making a deep run in this field is the way their matchups fall, they can out-rebound their opponent. they got a really good chance to make some noise. It starts with Marquette, but... All the numbers point to Carolina dominating that aspect on Thursday afternoon. I mean, they should, yeah. This is a team that, so far this season, is averaging 4.3 less rebounds per game than their opponent. That's average. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, and that's one of the worst in the country. If you're wondering about, you, you would think, okay, there are probably some teams, because you see Carolina out-rebound teams, 8, uh, 10 rebounds in a game. But look, most of the time... That's not average for most teams. So this is a huge difference for Marquette. Carolina should be able to dominate inside. One of the things that we said about, you know, coming into the season, it was going to be different. Well, it was different this year. You had one guy that stepped up and is just going berserk on the glass in Armando Baycott. But like you said, you're also starting to see other guys chip in. 
one of the guys that's kind of stuck out to me recently here that's been rebounding better is R.J. Davis. People probably don't realize he had eight rebounds in that game against Virginia in the quarterfinal of the ACC tournament. So you're starting to see everybody pitch in rebounding-wise. Brady Mannix only averaging 5.7 rebounds per game this year. I think we were hoping that number would be a little higher. But the fact that Carolina is still where they're at rebounding-wise shows you how much of a commitment there has been from other guys and even the guys when they come off the bench to get those rebounds. And, yes, that needs to be a focus in this game. It's one of Marquette's weaknesses. And, look, Carolina here down the stretch of the season – When they've been able to get offensive rebounds, it's led to a lot of success. There's still some times where they're not finishing those second-chance opportunities the way you would like, but for the most part, they've been better in both of those aspects, both grabbing the rebounds and finishing afterwards down the stretch, and it's what's led to them winning some of these close games. So especially if this one is close at the end, you need to be able to rip down those offensive rebounds, get those second-chance opportunities, and frankly, just let Armando Baycott go to work yeah. inside. Another thing that Carolina's got to do very well on Thursday is they got to protect the basketball. You're going to see a full-court press. You're going to see traps. Um, whether it be in the corner, at the half court, whatever. You're going to see multiple defensive looks from Marquette. That's who Shaka Smart is. That's how, he made a, that's, how, that's how he's made a name for himself as a college basketball head coach. That's what jump-started his run at VCU. The defense translated to Texas. They just couldn't score the ball enough. Kind of the same issue with this Marquette team. But this is a team that forces 14 turnovers per game, but they also commit 13 turnovers per game. So as equally important as this for Carolina to protect the ball, you're playing against a team that's also very loose with it as well. Mm-hmm. And so if Carolina can get just 10, get to 10 or 11 forced turnovers and get six or eight easy transition points, those little numbers, they really add up at the end of a at the end of a game and a box score that, that's determining whether you advance or, or or not in the NCAA tournament. I think they've gotten a lot better at protecting the ball, at taking, at making better passes. But, you know, you still got young guards that this is going to be just their second NCAA tournament game, so they're not as experienced as you'd like them to be, and you never know what to expect from this team. But I thought they, they showed in the AC tournament against Virginia and Virginia Tech that they could, they could protect the ball against teams that defend at a high level. Well, that was a good thing, is that we haven't really seen this issue pop up here t- down the stretch of the season. They've kind of eliminated that, you know, after we told them, look, especially following that Pittsburgh game, it just it can't happen. It's got to it, it's got to be a part of your game that you remove or else you're not going to be able to get to where you want to get to. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's been a focus for them. But yeah, they've they've got to it, it's got to be at the forefront of their mind in this game cuz yeah, this team, you know, averages you know, their opponents average 14 turnovers a game, which somehow is only 262nd in the country. Um, but I think that may also be reversed. So I think it might be they're somewhere in like the 90-ish range in terms of creating turnovers. And that would line up with the fact that they average 7.9 steals per game. Mm-hmm. Now, this is nowhere near the team that Carolina faced earlier in the year that was an expert at forcing steals, which was Miami. But... That's one of those teams where Carolina's got to remember back to those games. These aggressive teams that are going to try to force you into turnovers, 
you need to be smart with the basketball because if you play into them forcing those quick turnovers, you're going to be in trouble. And I think that Carolina's guards know a little bit better now. They've had time to settle in. And look, frankly, they're just more experienced even from that point earlier in the season. It, it happens. That's what playing games does for you. Yeah. So I think that Carolina understands that. But at the same time, you want to avoid giving Marquette these extra possessions or really just giving yourself empty possessions because this is another team that – I mean, look, their pace is a little bit faster than some of the other teams, but they're still a team that, that's going to run a relatively slower pace because they're not – I mean, they score 74.4 points per game, which is better than a lot of the teams that you've played lately, but they're, they're not on Carolina's level offensively. Yeah. So they're not going to want to run with Carolina. So we'll, we'll see you know, how, how they handle that, but Carolina can dictate the pace of this game – by controlling their turnover issues and by creating turnovers on the other end. You're right. And this team, being that you know they've had some issues so far this year, and the fact that they're young in the tournament could help in that aspect. The last thing for Carolina to have a, a chance to, to win the game is they got to make perimeter shots. Um, and this is a team that was 9 of 49 from behind the three-point line in Brooklyn, um, but we kind of chalked that, that to them having dead legs, being tired. I think we know Brady Mack's going to give you at least two or three May three-pointers a night. It's the guards that you're really concerned about um, because when they make perimeter shots, the rest of their game looks a lot better. They play with a lot more confidence. They're, they're just better on both ends of the court, and um, they're, they're going to have to make perimeter shots in this game. It starts with Caleb Love because he's the engine that makes this team goes, but it's also R.J. Davis as well, and um, Marquette's going to make it tough to get good looks from from the outside with all the stuff they do defensively, but you know this it's it's, it's not time for to make excuses. You're gonna have to take tough shots. You're gonna have to make tough shots. The good news is is that they've done a pretty good job of that this season. Mm-hmm. In the games where they've shot the ball really well from the three point line, it's been it's been games where they were settling for tough shots, but they were tough enough to make them. They got to be tough enough to make some of these shots. They're gonna have, they're gonna have to they're gonna be given to take on on Thursday. Yeah, and the thing is, is the reason why they've struggled, I think you're right, is that they are tired. So this game is not the one that I worry about their shooting woes the most in. It would be if they get to the next round. I feel confident that this team is going to be able to make some of these tough shots. Primarily, I feel confident in Brady Manick. We've looked at him towards the end of the season and seen him step up. You need him to continue to be that leader and maybe even take it to another level in the NCAA tournament because there aren't a lot of guys on this roster that have deep tournament experience. You're even talking about, I mean, look at Armando Baycott. His deepest tournament experience was last year as a junior because, look, even if he, you know, Carolina wasn't going to the NCAA tournament his freshman year. But even if they were, he wouldn't have gotten to play because the tournament was canceled. So you're talking about him being one of the only guys that has any experience of even making the the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. You've got to lean on that in this game. I feel like he's the guy that you want to see getting you jump-started from the perimeter. And yeah, you need Caleb Love and R.J. Davis to make those tough shots from the outside. And I'm with you. They've seemed to be able to do it when they've needed to throughout the season. I think they are 
are going to be able to step up and get it done in this game because, I you know, Marquette, the one thing that scares me is they're built similarly to that Virginia Tech team that Carolina saw in the ACC semis. The good news is they're not as good defensively as Virginia Tech is, and they're not as good on the opposite end of the floor of knocking down the outside shots. So Carolina doesn't necessarily need to go blow for blow, but they've got to be more consistent from the outside than some of these times that we've seen them late in the year when they've been tired. Carolina enters with a 61.4% chance to win the game, according to ESPN's College Basketball Power Index. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, Last year, 8-9 matchup had a bad feeling with Wisconsin. I think Carolina got a favorable matchup. You mentioned how young they were. Ten of their 14 players on the roster are freshmen. Um, so it's not, like they have a lot of, they, it's not like they have a lot of tournament experience on their roster as well, let alone just overall college basketball experience. I think Carolina was trending upward entering the tournament, whereas Marquette was trending downward. I think they're ready to come out after last week showing the ACC tournament and still build off of what they did in Durham two weeks ago and even their their their, their two-day stint up in Brooklyn. I think Carolina wins the game. Um, I think it'll be a game that Carolina can control from the opening start. And I and, and I feel like this team is hungry. They, they Hubert Davis has talked all season long about writing their own stories, their own testimonies, their experience as Carolina basketball players. You do it now. You do it you do it in this event. Because if you make some sort of run, we're not gonna remember that you got blown out by thirty by Miami and Wake Forest. We'll remember a team that put it all together when it was most important and and and, and gave us something to remember. I think they can start that. I or I think they start that on Thursday afternoon. I think we advance to the second round of the tournament and beat Marquette. To be fair, I think if they advance to the second round of the tournament, I may be willing to forget that, especially <laughs> with how the regular season finished up. But, yeah, um, yeah I, I I do like the matchup for Carolina overall. You, you're going against a team that, yeah, does have the depth, but it's extremely youthful, and the depth that you're facing isn't overly productive. Um, I, I think that... Carolina, you know, doesn't have a ton of experience themselves, but you do have one of the most dominant players in the country in Armando Baycott. I don't give a damn what those people that vote on the All-American team say. <laughs> he he deserved to be an All-American, and he is one of the most, most dominant players, and I think this is an area where he can shine. And you've got a guy that's been there, done that before in Brady Manick. The guards are playing a lot better here recently, especially defensively. So I think they're going to be up to the task, and I love the matchup of having a guy like Leaky Black, one of the best defensive players in the ACC for sure, maybe in the entire country, being matched up against Justin Lewis in this game. I think Carolina gets it done. I'm not going to say comfortably. I've been giving score predictions on the uh, on the podcast here recently, even though we cut that out earlier in the year. I like Carolina in this one. I like them 75-63 over Marquette. That is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Make sure to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, for your latest coverage of Carolina basketball throughout the NCAA tournament. Same for Tar Heel football as they continue to make their way through spring ball. As for the podcast, you know where to find us, every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we'll pop up. Like the pod, review the pod, but most importantly, hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any additions throughout the remainder of the college basketball season. 
Well, it's going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. You want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.